All right, guys, so we're starting a new series this week uh, that will carry us throughout the summer. This uh, series is called Ask Me Anything. And so this week, the question that we're asking is, what do I do with my questions and doubt? And, and I think that this is an important question to start with because we're all in this place in our walk with God or our walk toward God if, if we're not there yet. And, and we're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to follow God in the context of your reality, like where you're living today, what, the, what you're going through, the things that you have to deal with on a daily basis. And, and I think sometimes it can be really hard to navigate how to follow God when you consider all the things that you have to deal with and the things that, that are just kind of flying in your face, the things that uh, either culture gives you or family background or friend groups or just struggles with things that uh, the Bible says and you feel like have been taught to you all through your life up to this point that have been very clear and all of a sudden you're hit with contradictions that your friends or your, your peer group, whatever, is, is telling you, no, 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 the reality is that things are this way. And, and we have to deal with the fact that we all have doubts and questions when it comes to following God. And I think sometimes we, we hide from that and we, we push it aside. We pretend like that's not there because we're really worried that there's nowhere that's safe to be that honest. And... I want to start with our big idea because I think it's so important that before we even start to get into what this looks like, that we understand one very critical thing is that Jesus welcomes your questions. And that's kind of weird for some of us, I think, because I think if, if I look back at my own life, I don't recall feeling like that was true. As I was in middle school and high school, there were things I struggled with that I didn't think Jesus was okay with, and here's why. Because I think the church had painted a picture for me that said, you have to believe certain things, and you have to believe them with, with just a, a blanket, reckless abandon, and if you don't, there's something wrong in your relationship with God. And, and I don't know how many of you have ever felt that way. But as I look at who Jesus is, I think that Jesus welcomes our questions. I mean, how many of us in here have ever had a question about faith that you are sure will not go over well in certain circles? Hopefully that circle is not your small group. But like you have this big doubt or question concerning the God and Jesus stuff, and it's just eating you up inside. It's tearing you up because you are trying to navigate following Jesus. I mean, I used to feel, when I was in middle school and most of high school, I felt like I was the worst Christian on the planet. A pastor's kid uh, and, and somebody who'd grown up in the church, but I felt like the worst Christian because I felt like I'm a giant faker. And I felt that way because I had doubts and questions, and I thought that because of those doubts and questions, I was not legitimately following Jesus. And I'm here to tell you guys this morning that is not true. I mean, I grew up in the church, but in middle school, I started asking questions internally that I was scared to death to ask out loud. How can God be good? My less than two-year-old cousin passed away when I was in sixth grade, and I began to ask the question, where is God? How can he be good? And then I began to ask 
as I looked around the world, and your guys' world has become even smaller, because I remember, like, when I was in high school, we had, and this is going to date me a little bit, we had MySpace, so our world became a little smaller. Some of you are like, what the heck is MySpace? Um, is that like safe spaces? No. All right. So, but our world became a little smaller because of this thing called the internet, and your world is even smaller than that because of social media, Instagram, Facebook, if you guys are even still using that, Snapchat. I mean, everything about your world is becoming incredibly small. So we get to see the depravity of humanity like on display 24-7, 365. If you flip on the news, which, I mean, who does that anymore, right? You flip on the news and like, is there anything good ever reported? Like, nothing good is ever reported. It's always like, well, Trump said some stupid stuff, and and there was, like, you know, these people died, and there was this murder, and and this building burned down, and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, that's, that's what you see. That's what you hear. And so I began to ask this question, why is there evil? Once again, putting that together with there's this good God I've been told about my whole life, and why is there so much evil? Because when I was a freshman in high school, Columbine happened which ushered in the world of the modern school shooting. I mean, how do I reconcile? I mean, this is even more pertinent for you because it's become more socially acceptable. But I began to ask questions like, how can I reconcile my love for my LGBT friends that I have in high school and my relationship with Jesus and what the church is telling me? I will tell you on this one, we're going to discuss this one later on in the series, but I will just say that if you want to talk to me about this, I would love to have that conversation because I feel like historically the church has done terrible in this area. Because we've acted like we've held the moral high ground instead of just loving people. Scripture's clear on some things, but it doesn't dismiss us from loving. And then I started to ask this question. I mean, I'm a pastor's kid. I've been reading the Bible like my whole life, sort of. You know, I was probably like a lot of you, not cracking it very often. But I've been asking, why is the Bible just so confusing? And here's the scariest question I began to ask. What if it isn't true? What if none of this is true? And that one scared me to my core. And then a sub-question to that, why should I even believe what the Bible says? See, what I came to appreciate, though, was having a place where I could articulate those questions without fear. I came into contact with this guy named Damien O'Farrell. Damien was the first guy I ever interned for in a youth group setting. And I'm now a Bible student studying to be a pastor, struggling with these same questions that I've yet to find a place where I could be honest. And I began to open up to Damien about my, my fears and the things that were going on in my head and my heart, and he would just listen and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, that's good. Tell me more about that. Wow. Yeah, I, I've, I've felt that way. And, and all of a sudden, I had this safe place to articulate the things I was so afraid to talk about, and I'm hoping My deepest hope and desire, you guys, is that ASM is that place for you. And impact teams, this is where you 
stand to help maybe the most. If you want to be a part of making sure that's the kind of place that ASM is, then join Impact and speak up. I want to talk about a guy today in Scripture. If you want to turn in your Bibles, grab your your digital version, whatever you're going to do, but we're going to be in John chapter 20. I'm going to paint you a little picture of this guy first because we're going to, you are going to know this guy when I say his name. I know we're going to turn you to John. It's not Jesus. You're going to know this guy because we've labeled him. If you've been in church long enough, you've heard his name, but it's not without his adjective. He's a famous doubter. I mean, who wants to be known for their seemingly biggest blunder? Like the time in life when you like did the dumbest thing ever, seemingly the dumbest thing in your life, and then people begin to like label you by that. Who wants that? Nobody in here wants to be labeled by their biggest mistake. But it's how we know one of the disciples, right? If I asked you, what do we call Thomas? Doubting Thomas. Seems really unfair, right? And it's like one time, too. Like in all of Scripture, we have like one mention of Thomas having some doubts. And yet he's labeled doubting Thomas. I mean, think about that, though. We don't call Peter, Peter the deserter. Peter the denier. Denying Peter. No, we call him the rock. He's the pillar of the church. Like, Peter's the man. But Peter denied Jesus three times, like, and then he made eye contact with Jesus and he wept bitterly. Thomas just has some doubts, some questions. And we call him Doubting Thomas. And we don't call James and John the disciples who argue and won't shut up. Loudmouth James and John. No, that's not what we call them. They're called the sons of thunder. Jesus gives them this name. They're passionate. So where did this come from? John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, great name change, uh, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Okay, little background, something you need to know. Jesus has previous to this point died a horrible death on a Roman cross. His hands and his feet have been pierced. His side has been cut open because they wanted to ensure that he was dead. So they cut open his side to see the water and the blood run separately out of his body. Jesus has endured this, but then Jesus miraculously three days later gets up from the dead. He conquers sin and death and then he appears to 10 of the 11 remaining disciples. And Thomas wasn't there when that happened. So, carrying on in verse 25. So the other disciples told him, I mean, you would have done this. If you were the other ten disciples, you would have done this. They are freaking out. They are on cloud nine. And they have been hiding. They've been scared to death. The other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And then Thomas gets a whole lot of guff. Because he reacts rationally. 
He reacts totally normal in the way that every single one of us, myself included, would have totally reacted to this news. Thomas knows Jesus is dead. He knows he's in a borrowed grave. He knows what's going on. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Guys, if I came in here this morning and was like, guys, check it out. I got here earlier today. Before you, by the way, I got here at like 8.05. Stopped at Starbucks, got my drink. They say Red Bull gives you wings. Heck no. Starbucks, man. I was up on the roof. I went out. I was just surveying the parking lot, making sure that all of the Orbeez were gone for Sunday morning. And, um, and I got up there, and I was like, you know what? I could do this. I could do this. And I jumped off the roof, and I floated lightly like a feather down to the ground. And was just like, whoa. And you guys would be like, Thomas, I will believe it when I see it, go do it again. And I'd be like, ah, just kidding, right? All right, so, but then it says, so Thomas says this, and this is where we get doubting Thomas. Notice Jesus never calls him that, by the way. Super important. We call him that. It says a week later, his disciples were in the house. Again, what house? The house that Jesus appeared to them before when who wasn't there? Thomas. And this time, Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked. Now this is key. Like the doors are locked. Jesus just like materializes. It says Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So he addresses everybody at once. He says, Peace be with you. All right, cool. We're done. Thomas, you and I, we got to talk, man. He immediately goes to Thomas, and this is so key, we're going to hit this later. Then he says to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Uh, Stop doubting and believe. And see, I think we read this, stop doubting and believe, and for some reason, we read into that judgment. Like, Jesus is judging him. Like, come on, man. Stop it. We'll get to why I don't think that. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And I imagine in this moment, Thomas just falling to his knees and weeping. This dead Jesus is alive. Then Jesus said to him, And once again, this is not a judgment. We'll come back to it. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. Can you imagine what that week was like for Thomas? Like a week passes from, we've seen the Lord. And he's like, you guys are nuts. And then a week passes, that whole week, he's going, are they though? Are they they crazy? I got got questions. I'm not going to believe until I see it. Do you think his love for Jesus was shaken? I don't don't think so. I think he had some doubts and questions. I think he really didn't know if he was going to see Jesus again. He didn't know if he really believed Jesus when he said that he was going to rise again in three days. He was unsure. 
But when he sees Jesus, what does he do? He falls at his feet. He's, he loves Jesus. He falls down. He's my Lord and my God. So once again, let's recap. What's happened here? Jesus dies a horrible death on a Roman cross. He's nailed through his hands and his feet. His side is pierced. The other disciples have seen Jesus after he rose from the dead. Thomas is completely rational in his reaction to their news. My question is, why don't we call him, like, Honest Thomas? Like, he's the only disciple that we see who's, like, really honest about their doubts and fears. Right? But I want you to notice how Jesus reacts to Thomas's questioning and his doubts. The first thing, you guys, and back to the main idea is this. Jesus welcomes our questions. Jesus doesn't chastise Thomas for not believing. He doesn't come down on him for not believing. He doesn't come in the room saying, So I heard somebody in here uh, doesn't believe that I could rise from the dead like I said I would. He doesn't do that. Jesus calls Thomas to himself. He, remember, he addressed everybody, hey, peace be with you. I know I just materialized. It's crazy. Don't freak out, all right? Thomas, what's up, man? He calls Thomas to himself, and he begins to answer Thomas's questions. He begins to assuage his doubts. Thomas probably didn't want to get his hopes up. I mean, I think he really wanted to believe that Jesus was alive, but he said, I got to see it. He loved Jesus. His, he's broken over his death. And, only, and here's the thing that is crazy to me is, Thomas is known for doubting, but only a little while before this, only a little while before coming to Jerusalem, Jesus says, hey guys, we got to go to Jerusalem. We're going to go there. I feel like it's time. And... All the other disciples are like, Jesus, that's a bad idea. It's a terrible idea. Like, what is wrong with you? They're going to kill you, bro. If you go there, you know what comes with it? Certain death. Like, they, they were terrified. Thomas is the solo guy that stands up and says, I'll go with you, Jesus, even if I got to die. Thomas, the doubter. I think, let's, let's do this this morning. We're going to rename Thomas. No longer in ASM will Thomas be known as Doubting Thomas. Thomas is now the ride or die disciple. Okay? Everybody freaks out. Thomas goes, ride or die, Jesus, let's go. Jesus also loves us through our questions. And I don't mean he loves us because of our questions. He loves it, but he loves you through it. Like, have you ever had something really tough happen in your life and you're kind of being a jerk and, and somebody just, like, still loves you through that? Like, they continue to love you? And that's what I want you to understand is that through your questions, while you're questioning, while you're doubting, Jesus is still going there, standing there going, you know what? I love you. We're good. We're going to make it out the other side. It's cool. Ask your questions. Have your doubts. Thomas has this tender moment with Jesus. He doesn't say, why did you doubt? Why did you question? In fact, he answers him with love, and then he simply says, stop doubting and believe. And Jesus is not dismayed or frightened by Thomas's questions. He's not going, well, I don't know, man. Do you really believe? When he says stop doubting and believe, Jesus used to say something very similar, along the same lines to people that he healed. He would say, go and sin no more. He wasn't saying, you wretched sinner, knock it off. 
He was saying, leave this behind and live into your new reality. Which is what Jesus invites us to do when we come to him in faith, right? Stop sinning and walk with me. He's simply saying to him, leave this doubt behind. We're going we're gonna to leave this alone. I'm, I'm not going to think about it anymore. When I think of Thomas, I'm not thinking about your doubt and your questions and how you didn't truly believe. That's not what I'm thinking of. When I think of you, I think of someone who, who believes. I'm thinking of somebody who's going to follow me. He's saying, stop doubting. Let's leave this behind and come follow me. Now, a side note here is there was a disciple who had doubts and questions. And he never asked them. And he was wrestling internally, obviously, with some very deep and critical things when it came to following Jesus. And his name was Judas. And if you know anything about the crucifixion story, it doesn't end up so hot for him. The last thing here is that not only does Jesus welcome your questions, not only does he love us through our questions, but Jesus wants you to get answers. And that is something that I never understood when I was your guys' age. I didn't know Jesus wanted me to get answers. I honestly thought God was trying to confuse me. He's not hiding them from you. Now, he may reveal them in his timing. He let Thomas wrestle with what the other disciples told him for a week before he appeared to him. It may not always be in our timing, but he comes to Thomas. He wants Thomas to have his answers. He doesn't send Thomas on a Jesus hide-and-seek all over Jerusalem. He approaches Thomas. And we have God with us. See, Jesus, after this, shortly after, ascends into heaven and after this, and he he promises his Holy Spirit to be with us. Do you know that one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to help give us understanding? Is to walk with us. So guys, as as we close, we're going to go over a lot in this series. There's going to be a bunch of questions up here on the screen. You might not be able to read them. I did a terrible job in choosing a font. Uh, but here's some of the things we're going to tackle between myself, Wyatt, Austin, Tim, Pastor Steve. How do we handle LGBT issues? How do, how do we handle what's going on in your lives with friends who are, who are going through some stuff that maybe you don't understand? Maybe you are going through some of this and you feel like, I can't talk about that at church. How far is too far in a dating relationship? These are some of the questions you guys came up with. Is, is Christianity just a psychological crutch for the weak-minded? How do I share my faith with someone of another faith tradition? How can I even have a spiritual conversation? Can we just address the big elephant in the room, the problem of evil? And how can God, a loving God, send someone to hell? And through it all, we're going to be heading back to God's Word. Now, some of you in here are very sure about what you believe. Some of you read your Bible often and you still have questions, and I guarantee you, the more you read your Bible, you may have just more questions. Some of you have questions and doubts and you don't know what you believe and you have questions 
of God that, and, and questions that God is ready to answer. But based on our survey from last Sunday, which was completely anonymous, so if you feel convicted, that's all on you. I ain't pointing fingers. But based on our survey last Sunday, you haven't cracked open God's word in forever. And then you're like, I got questions. Great, open the Bible. There's answers. We're going to walk through some of these answers with you, but that's like saying, I don't know where Curtis lives. I'm just going to drive to Lake Stevens and meander around. Or you could just ask me. I probably won't tell you because you come toilet paper from my house. All right. As God is not trying to hide the answers, but you've got to ask him. You've got to be honest. Thomas was at the very least honest. And we want ASM to be a place that is safe to ask the seemingly unsafe questions. Where you can seek God out and face your doubts and concerns without fear of judgment. And if I can help you with one thing, is that God is not, Jesus is not looking for followers who have all the answers. If you have all the answers, what do you need Jesus for? He's not looking for people who have all the answers. He's looking for followers who follow despite their questions and who seek out him for their answers. And it is absolutely okay to be in, this, in a seat in this room today and admit that you don't know everything. And it is okay to admit you struggle with what you believe. And part of why I think this is so important is because so many people wrote on that survey last week, I'm not 100% sure where I stand with Jesus. And I got to think there's at least some of you who marked that answer, who have made a personal profession of faith. And maybe your doubts and your fears and your questions are making you feel like because I'm thinking this way, I don't know where I stand with Jesus. Can I just reassure you that Jesus says you and him are good? He's still holding on to you, but he's wondering, why aren't you asking me? Why aren't we dealing with this? Because I want you to remember that Jesus welcomes your questions. I'm going to close with prayer and we're going to have a closing a song of worship. God, thank you so much for being a God who is so much bigger than my fears, my doubts, my questions. God, thank you that you don't abandon me as somebody who's not worth it. You don't just look and go, you know what, you're not completely sold out for me because you, you have questions, so I'm done with you. I'm going to move on to somebody else. You didn't do that with Thomas, and I know that you are that same God today and that you love me, you love the students and the leaders in this room, despite the doubts and the questions that we are so incredibly afraid to just be honest about and share. But God, just like Thomas, I know that you desire to give us those answers. You don't desire that we live in confusion, but you desire that we know you more fully. So God, I pray that we would begin to be honest and that we would seek you out. God, that we would love you. Remember in our innermost, deepest parts that you love us unconditionally. And that you are not frightened or turned off or turned away by those doubts and fears. It's in your name we pray. Amen.